and welcome to Myth Monsters. My name is Erin and I'll be your host for these little snack bite-sized podcasts on folklore and mythical monsters from around the world. These podcasts focus on the actual cryptids, folklore and mythic monsters from global mythology, rather than focusing on the full stories of heroes and their big adventures. I'll also be dropping in some references that they have to recent culture and where you can see these represented in modern day content so that you can learn more and get as obsessed as I am about these absolute legends of the mythological world. I've had a very busy week this week, and especially as the holidays come up, visitors end up coming here and it gets even busier. I'll be pulling up my tree this weekend and cracking open my advent calendar because adults can enjoy a little piece of chocolate a day too. Jeez. But... What is this podcast if not a breakaway into an either ancient or fantasy world? This week, we are heading on over to the very real Malaysia for two monsters for the price of one, because they work hand in hand. They are the Pelisit and the Polong of Malay folklore. The Pelisit is generally described as a familiar spirit, and it takes the form of a cricket or grasshopper. Nothing fancy about it, it just looks like a grasshopper. It's no bigger than usual or has scary teeth. It's just a grasshopper. The polong, however, is said to be a formless spirit. However, some reports are that they take a female form whilst being completely made out of blood and are about the size of the first joint of a finger, so super tiny. There are also sources that say they can take the shape of a chris, which is a wavy-shaped dagger, with eyes on the handles and the blade being their neck, but these are very far and few between. But it's more the creation and what they do that's more interesting than what they look like in this case, which is pretty unusual for our monsters. The Pelisit and Polong go together because they work like a guiding system and a missile, and they are summoned to work together. They're usually only summoned by women, who in turn are granted exceptional beauty and are called mother by the spirits. But the intent is either to seek personal revenge and use them as weapons, or to enact others' revenge and profit like an assassin organisation. They can be summoned by men though, but they don't get the beauty bonus that women do, and it was a lot more frequently done by women due to this added extra. So how does this work exactly? Well, we need to go into their summoning first. The woman would summon the polong first by either murdering a man or getting a murdered man's blood. She would keep this in a flask that is wide enough to fit your ring finger in, and that is important for later, and over the course of a week or two, the woman would say incantations, and the polong would appear when chirping sounds came from the flask. This is where the ring finger comes in, because the ring finger is known as the spirit finger, and you have to feed this spirit some blood from your finger, which tames it to listen to you. Think of it as Audrey 2 in Little Shop of Horrors. If you don't do this, the polong would go crazy, and break its containment to suck the blood out of you instead. Once this is done, you can summon the pelisit. You can either catch one in the wild, but good luck differentiating it from a normal grasshopper, or you can summon one yourself. This one isn't so fun. It involves digging up a dead child, and on a full moon, 
taking the corpse to a hilltop that specifically has an anthill on it and facing it whilst you have your back to the moon. The woman would then read a bunch of incantations and the child would then stick its tongue out. She would then have to bite it off. Yes, you heard me. It's pretty gross. You'd then have to keep the tongue in your mouth and run to where three roads meet. And let's hope they're close, because then you'd bury it and wait for a pelisit to turn up. It's not very pleasant. The pelisit then becomes a pet to the polong, and they both become familiars to the person who summoned them. But what do you do with them that's so lethal that you could make an assassin business out of? Well, once you have the target of your ghostly duo, the polong would set the pelisit onto their trail. And the pelisit would wait until they are asleep and crawl backwards into the victim's mouth. Whilst they wouldn't wake up, the person would feel it. And this is when the pelisit chirps to summon the polong, who then possesses the unfortunate victim and the pelisit hops back to its mother. The possession is also pretty nasty. The victim will first start to have bruises that are unexplained show up all over their body, and then they will literally just ramble on about cats. Yes, that's it, just cats. This is the final stage of where you can actually stop the possession, because if it goes further than this, the victim is driven irreversibly insane and will eventually die of insanity. Once the possession is complete and the person is dead, the polong will return to its flask with the owner, waiting to be called out again. I mentioned there that you could stop the possession, and this was only achievable through exorcism. The exorcism is strange in itself, and is performed by a shaman called Duncan in Malay or Bomo in Indonesian, by asking the polong very kindly who its owner is. And if they tell you, you can just go ask the person to recall the spirit and stop. I don't know how likely it is that they would, but it's worth a try. However, most Polong don't like being asked who they're commanded by, and will make the possessed person lash out or hurt themselves. Sometimes it would frame someone else as the owner, or it would just not answer, leaving the possessed person to just die. You could also fail the exorcism, don't ask me how, which meant that the polong would move to you as soon as the original victim was driven mad and do the same to you for attempting to exorcise it. There were some downsides to owning these spirits though, as if you decided to change your ways and get rid of them, it was quite tricky. You would usually have to pass this down to a family member or someone else, but if you wanted to truly be rid of them, you would need to bury it in a bottle, but that's if you can do it before it realises and possesses you too for attempting to kill it. The pelisit can only be killed through decapitation, but that's only if you can catch it first. It's a grasshopper, and I'm not entirely sure how you would go about decapitating a grasshopper, but you're most likely to find it chilling at murder scenes outside of the summoner's home, where it would just eat turmeric rice. That was its hobby, apparently. Now, for etymology, we, of course, have two monsters here. And unfortunately, I only have the etymology for one, which is sad. The word pelletit comes from the Malay word lesit, which means to buzz or whiz, which we all know that insects do. I am gutted that I couldn't find a translation for polong, but it is what it is, I suppose. Google tells me that it translates to pods from Malay, but... 
who really knows if that's correct? For the history of these two monsters though, I do have more bad news. There's not much on this either. However, from what I could gather, it was mentioned in Hayakat Abdullah, which was a book written in 1849 by Abdullah bin Abdul al-Qadir, who was a Malaysian writer and is considered one of the most culturally impactful writers from this region across time. He mostly worked with the British and Dutch as they invaded the Malay archipelago as a translator, and the Brits apparently found the stories of Malaysian folklore to be very entertaining, one of them being Sir Thomas Stamford Bingley Raffles, and that is a real name, who was a major figure within the Napoleonic Wars, as well as the British invasion of Asia. He is still very well known throughout places like Singapore, but of course he massively benefited from taking advantage of native people and claimed that he discovered the already well-established country, very typical of British invaders. Anyway, this book was an autobiography of his travels, and he claimed that he had seen a Pelisit, working very hard on getting to a certain location to, assumingly, possess someone. However, what this doesn't tell us is when the myth started, but assuming this was spread through word of mouth, it most likely had been one that had been passed down for generations at this point in the mid-1800s. But what we do know is that the shamans who exercise these spirits, the Bomos, have existed and have been vanquishing demons since the prehistoric tribes, and Malaysia has been inhabited since 40,000 years ago with native people, so we really don't know. Whilst belief in these type of monsters still does exist within this culture, the landscape of Malaysia has changed from shamanic belief to Islam, and Bomos are now generally seen as untrustworthy, so the solution to this monster has at least taken a nosedive in regards to wide belief. It is still encouraged to squish grasshoppers if you see them in your house in Malaysia, just in case a pelisit is prepping to jump in your gob for the night. So at least that part has remained, I'm sure, at the behest of grasshoppers everywhere. I'm also not too sure if we can call this a moralistic creature, but maybe the folktale moral here is that even though you have an easy way of getting rid of someone, you are always at risk of this solution turning against you, and that stain will last on you, on your eternal soul, or something like that. Now, let's talk crickets and grasshoppers, because they are realistically our real-life examples of these monsters this week. Pelisit are supposedly based on bush crickets, which are pretty big for grasshoppers, they are also nocturnal and can mimic noises made by humans. Also, an important question here is why does the grasshopper go in anyone's mouth? An easy answer to that is that bugs are dumb, and I'm sure as much as we're all told that we eat eight spiders on average in our lifetime in our sleep, maybe we eat as many grasshoppers if they get the chance. Malaysia does have a history of eating insects, however it's not very common in modern times. Although crickets and grasshoppers are some of the most common bugs that humans will eat, and are apparently delicious when fried, and insects are halal, so maybe we should all switch to eating them. Of course, I would rather starve and die, but I'm a big wimp. I honestly can't think of anything mythical though to compare this to, and searching mythical creature bosses or commanders just brings up loads of video game references, so the only general thing I can think of 
something like Satan or the devil himself who can command other creatures to do his bidding for him. Or potentially the Bokken Riders that we covered from Dutch folklore who work for a devil. Otherwise, I'm generally drawing a blank on this one. It's certainly a unique pairing. Now, onto modern media. Of course, I cannot find anything bar an episode of Marvel Anime Blade that covers either of these monsters. So I'm going to go over some fun summoned monsters this week. For art, go and look at independent art this week. There really isn't much in general about these two, but I found a really quirky bit of art for the advertising this week. So it's really not a common monster. I'm not sure what to suggest. In movies, we have Big Trouble in Little China, My Little Pony, Equestria Girls, Rainbow Rocks, and The Box. For TV, we have Supernatural, The Winx Club, Gargoyles, Fairy Tale, The Owl House, The Trapdoor, The Little Prince, Harley Quinn, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Merlin, and The Outpost. In video games, we have ones such as Elder Scrolls, Bayonetta, Dark Souls, My Lovely Wife, Doofus, World of Warcraft, Eternal Darkness, Shin Megami Tensei, Final Fantasy, Castlevania, Fate, Baldur's Gate 3, Total War Warhammer, Chaos Legion, Champions Online, Diablo 2, Wakfu, Neverwinter Nights, Dungeon Keeper 2, Exile of Vernum, Golden Sun, Divinity Original Sin 2, and Tuhu Project. My book recommendation this week is Red Onion, White Onion, and Other Malay Legends and Folklores by M.A. Badri for some really cool Malay folklore stories if you are interested in mythology in this part of the world. But now it's time for Do I Think They Existed? I really hope not. This sounds horrible. And I'm just talking about the grasshopper in the mouth part. The whole summoning also sounds pretty gross, especially the dead child's tongue in your mouth, as well as the monster itself, sure. But I suppose if you are really that desperate to be a mob boss with spirits in tow, this would be an easy way to do it. I said it earlier, but I think this monster is probably a cautionary tale, somewhere on what you send out will come back to you tenfold. I don't imagine these summoners have enough people to hate, and they end up getting driven mad themselves eventually, so I guess the moral is be wary of the hate you put out into the world. And I'm sure that's a good moralistic point anyway. Do I think there are sentient grasshoppers out there that are commanded by little blood ladies? Probably not, but I will be much, much more aware of grasshoppers in the springtime following this episode now. I certainly spooked one of my friends about this who has a general fear of bugs, so that's enough joy for me to get out of this. But what do you think? Did the Polong and Pelisic coordinate possessions in Malaysia? Let me know on Twitter, I would love to know what you think. This is a type of monster I've not really covered before. The idea of having a tag team duo is really cool, and I was really surprised when doing the research on this one at how they work together. So I hope there are some more like this in other mythologies that I can bring you, as this one was really fun. Next week though, we are heading over to Germany and looking at a pretty legendary monster, a household or mineshaft spirit who can either help or hinder. Get ready to discover some new rocky elements with the Kobold next Thursday. For now though, thank you so much for listening. 
It's been an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a rating on the service you are listening on. I've got the Twitter for any questions or suggestions on what monsters to cover next, and I'd really love to hear from you. The social media handles for TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and threads are Myth Monsters Podcast, and the Twitter is Myth Monsters Pod. But all of our content can always be found at mythmonsters.co.uk, and you can find us on Good Pods, Buy Me a Coffee, and Patreon if you want to help me fund the podcast too. Most importantly, a little announcement, it is Spotify Wrapped Week this week. If you do get us pop up on your Spotify Wrapped, please do tag me in Instagram posts or tag me on Twitter. I would love to see how you've listened in over the year. It's a really fun time of year for me as a podcaster and as a music listener myself. So please do let me know if we pop up on your feed. Come join the fun, share this with your pals. They might love me as much as you do. But for now, stay spooky. And I'll see you later, babes. Bye.